Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Wednesday, August 31st. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Drivers in Virginia may not realize it, but in just over a decade, they won't be able to buy a new gas-powered car. That's because the Commonwealth is one of 17 states that ties its emission standards to California, which announced last week that it will only allow the sale of electric and hydrogen-powered cars by 2035. Now Virginia's governor and attorney general say they are working to uncouple the Commonwealth from what they call, quote, a ridiculous edict. We speak with an environmental attorney who helped craft this legislation. We're getting left behind, uh, and this is where both consumers want to go, and it's also where the manufacturers are at. Almost every major manufacturer plans to be all electric by 2035. And what do you know about driving an electric or hydrogen-powered car? Do they drive the same? They've certainly come a long way in the last few years, and we're starting to see them more and more on the road. We talk with our car guru, Mike Paris, about the infrastructure to charge them, the maintenance of them, and the power behind these clean cars. Some of these have a thousand plus horsepower. Wow. These things are race car fast. Zero to 60 times in about two, two and a half seconds. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. It sounds far off, but in just 13 years, Virginia is set to ban the sale of all new gas-powered cars, trucks, and SUVs. Over the weekend, Governor Glenn Youngkin and his attorney general said while the Commonwealth is legally bound to California's new rules, they're going to work to change that. But how they'll do that is a big question, and there's a lot of timing here at play. So to help us understand it all, we bring in Southern Environmental Law Center senior attorney, Trip Pollard, who helped craft Virginia's clean car legislation that passed last year. And he joins us from Richmond. Trip, thanks for being here. Great to be with you. Um, so first off, obviously, drivers want to know how this will impact us. I think a lot of people heard about the California news last week, and they didn't realize it was tied to Virginia. Can you explain what the clean car policy says and how it's going to change things in the Commonwealth? So in 2021, the Virginia General Assembly adopted the clean car standards. Mm -hmm. So what California did last week was they adopted the standards that begin in model year 2026. The current clean car standards only run through model year 25. Okay. So California adopted more stringent standards starting in 26 uh, that will run through model year 2035. And those standards call, not surprisingly, for increasing sale of zero emission vehicles. And the reason that's so important, especially for Virginia, is that transportation is by far the leading source of carbon pollution in Virginia, as well as other pollutants that are harmful to our health, as well as the environment. So these New provisions will call for uh, more clean vehicles to be sold in Virginia over time. And that's the main impact they will have. Right. So when you roll up to a dealership in 2026, it'll be required that like 35% of those cars are going to be EVs. Is that, do I have that right? That's actually is what the standard requires is 35%, but that's actually it would be a lower number than that because there's also a credit system that gives manufacturers credits for earlier sales of cleaner oh. vehicles. 
So the number actually is going to be lower than that, but it does mean there will be more clean vehicles available in Virginia. And that's another reason why this is so important is not only the pollution reduction, but giving Virginia customer choice. Maryland has been a clean car state for longer and not surprisingly, manufacturers tend to send the cleaner vehicles to clean car states. Mm -hmm. So it's been uh, easier to find electric vehicles in Maryland than Virginia. That's one of the reasons the auto dealers in Virginia actually supported adoption of clean cars program. Just to kind of keep up with the neighbors, essentially. Exactly. We were, we're getting left behind. Uh, and this is where both consumers want to go. And it's also where the manufacturers are heading. Almost every major manufacturer plans to be all electric by 2035. And what about the drivers? Nationally, Pew Research says that only 7% of people own electric cars. So a lot of us are really familiar with gasoline-powered cars. Is this shift kind of requiring this move towards EV might unsettle some drivers? Well, I think there will be some transition in, in getting used to things like charging a vehicle instead of, you know, filling it up at the pump. Um, but those kind of transitions have already started to happen and they are going to accelerate because this is, this is where the industry is going. Um, and so um, I think that it does take a little getting used to. I still own a, actually a hybrid that's a, a electric and a gas vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, and it does, it does take a little getting used to, but not much. And it's super convenient and it actually is cheaper to operate electric vehicles over time. There's lower maintenance costs and you're not subject to the gas price spikes that we all have experienced recently. Um, tell me about those hybrids, because are those included in this? They'll be fair game um, come 2035? That's a great question. A percentage will be. Um, and so although this standard, sometimes people have been referring to it as by 2035, a ban on gas power cars, it's actually not a ban because no one's going to take it away from you. You can continue <laughs> to use it as long as you want. There also, there's no prohibition against buying a used gas vehicle car. And then a percentage of the zero emission vehicles can be hybrids that are partly gas and partly electric. So gas powered vehicles are going to be with us for quite a while to come. And do you think the infrastructure is there uh, to make this transition? I think it will be. I, I would say today, if we were to magically switch to 100% electric vehicles tomorrow, no, it's not. Mm. Um, but we've seen a dramatic increase, for example, in Virginia has used money uh, that it got from the Volkswagen emission settlement to begin building out a network of fast charging electric chargers, which by the end of this year will be within 30 miles of 95% of Virginia's population. And then the new Federal Infrastructure Act also provides every state money for electric charging. Virginia is going to get about $106 million. Mm. So we're going to see that infrastructure building up. This is definitely where we're headed. And I think that, that we will have plenty of infrastructure as the market also increases for electric vehicles. So when lawmakers took this stand, it really was taking a stand because, as you mentioned, the emission standards are higher than the federal government standards. And 17 states kind of joined in here with California um, with this policy for climate change. Can you talk about what difference this will make from a climate change perspective, environmental perspective, if this stays in place? What was the goal of this legislation? It'll make an enormous difference. Actually, once fully phased in, it'll be the single largest step Virginia has taken to reduce carbon pollution. And it's important to also recognize that there's actually two components to the clean car standard. There's the zero emission vehicle 
which is what most people talk about. But there's actually also a lower emission vehicle component that requires cleaner gas-powered vehicles to be sold in mm. clean car states. And that actually, in the short term, has a greater impact on pollution reduction than does the shift to electric vehicles, since that is phased in. Right. But combined, it would be the single largest step Virginia has taken to cut carbon pollution. Right. An operative word, you know, would be because there is still some uncertainty here. Virginia's Governor Glenn Youngkin and his attorney general, Jason Miares, you know, have pushed back against this. They released statements on Friday saying that they're going to work to uncouple, untie Virginia from California's kind of new emission standards that we've been talking about here. Are you fearful? And do you expect that to, to happen, this rollback of emission standards? Well, I'm certainly disappointed in their position because I think these standards offer enormous economic, consumer, environmental, and health benefits. I'm not totally surprised because there was actually legislation introduced in this uh, session, past session of the Virginia General Assembly to repeal clean cars. And it failed, but it did pass the House. It failed in the Senate. So There was an attempt this year, so I'm not surprised that there will be another attempt in the next General Assembly. The General Assembly would have to repeal. I mean, it's it's quite a legislative feat if they end up overturning this. And Democrats control the state Senate by a single vote. So, I mean, it's it's definitely possible. Right. But it's not like it's just the signing of a pen. So people understand what, you know. What has to be done here? That's exactly right. And when you guys were crafting this legislation, um, Trip, how much bipartisan effort was there? I mean, is this something that was really a fully democratically led legislation, or is it? Did you feel like there was some commonality between the two sides? We, we certainly had bipartisan discussions. Um, you know, we're a nonprofit, non-political organization, and yeah. so I work a lot with members from both sides of the aisle. Unfortunately, when it came time to vote on the clean cars legislation, it did not receive Republican support. Mm. Uh, So I think, unfortunately, it's gotten caught up in some national uh, debates and polarization a bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that there's also some misunderstanding. A lot of people who are opposed have said, well, we shouldn't let California bureaucrats set Virginia's air policy. But what's missed often is You've got a choice between the California standards and the federal standards. Virginia cannot make up its own standards. And there's been some misleading statements that suggest Virginia should kind of create its own path. That's not the choice. So you either go with the California provision that a number of states have adopted, or you go with the federal. And Tripp, let's pause here about, you know, California really setting these emission standards in Virginia, tying themselves to it. How did that tie happen? And why does California get to set these air emission standards when Virginia doesn't? So under the Clean Air Act, California was given this special authority, and there's complicated historical and political reasons for all that, Mm. but they've enjoyed this authority for decades under the Clean Air Act, and they are the only state that was given that authority. Mm. Their standards still have to be approved by the federal EPA, but once they are approved, other states can adopt them. So California does have this extra ability to adopt cleaner vehicle emission standards. Mm. And under the Clean Air Act, then states such as Virginia and Maryland can then uh, choose to adopt those more more strict standards. So even if Virginia wanted to, they couldn't set their own standards. That's correct. Under the Clean Air Act, there's no authority. And there's there's a good reason for that. We don't want 50 different sets of standards that Mm. manufacturers have to meet. So 
there are only two choices. You either go with the federal standard or the state standard that California gets to set. And Governor Glenn Youngkin um, issued a statement that says, in part, in an effort to turn Virginia into California, liberal politicians who previously ran our government sold Virginia out by subjecting Virginia drivers to California vehicle laws. It also goes on to say, I'm already at work to prevent this ridiculous edict from being forced on Virginians. California's out-of-touch laws have no place in our commonwealth. So, Tripp, obviously, you know, some strong feelings around this. Is there any indication how quickly um, Miaris or Governor Glenn Youngkin plan to move on this? Is it going to be in this upcoming legislation? Have you heard? Uh, the indications that I've heard is, yes, it will be in the upcoming legislative session, which begins in January 2023. Wow. We'll see where this goes. This is yeah. really interesting. Trip Pollard from the Southern Environmental Law Center. We really appreciate your expertise on this because there's a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's definitely a lot to follow. So we, uh, we'll, we'll get back with you on it, I'm sure. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. After the break, there's more to electric cars than just how they're charged. Coming up, we talk to our resident car guy about what it feels like to drive one, why the type of charger in your garage matters so much, and the challenges of road trips. Stick around. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. So cars are at the center of this story, more specifically, their power source, gas versus electricity. So what's the difference between the two? You know, the pros and cons, like, do they drive differently? What about the costs? And how do they feel? Unfortunately, neither Megan nor I can answer these questions <laughs> since we've never driven electric cars. Womp womp. Thankfully, WTOP's car guy, Mike Paris, is here to help us out. Mike, thanks for being here. Someone has to do it. I, I know. And you <laughs> drew the short straw. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mike reviews cars every week, and in the last few years, EVs have increasingly made it onto his rotation. So um, let's start there. Like, Tell us, first of all, what you do every week, which is pretty awesome. So people deliver cars to me. A couple of companies <laughs> deliver door. cars to my door. They're fueled or charged and cleaned and... They give me like a sheet of paper telling me what this car is and what to do with it, and I drive it for a week. What to do with it. And then you review it. Then I review it. So, Although it's funny because every once in a while he'll be like, I just went from like a Bugatti to like a <laughs> you know Nissan Sentra. And you're like, you're like yeah. fall from grace. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me, though. That I sounds know. pretty sweet. But let's get to kind of like the nuts and bolts here of this gas versus EV discussion. What's the difference when you get in that driver's seat? Well, the difference used to be like stark like just a couple of years ago, 2013, 2014. Really? It was wow. It's, a, it's like driving like a, a golf cart. There mm. was a couple of like a Mitsubishi had an electric car and it was just a joke. Like there was no power. It's kind of like, no power. Eh. You had 70 mile range <laughs> and hopefully you got that 70 miles. Right. Oh, wow. Where now you're seeing three and 100 miles or so from an electric car, which is making it a lot more let's say, easier on those people who are expecting uh, 
range anxiety. So mm. now it's a, it's a lot more even playing field here. Especially in this area, I feel like you see Teslas almost everywhere. everywhere. And I know and I know yeah. they change the game for electric, but Teslas are so expensive. I mean, is it is it one of those things that if you're going to go for a hydrogen, you know, hybrid or an electric, it's just going to be that expensive? Well, I think that it's the prices are starting to, to come down a lot. Okay. Uh, Chevy has uh, electric cars for around $30,000 or less now, which were $40,000 a couple of years ago. And the range is good? The range is about 230, 240 miles, wow. which is getting there. Uh, a lot of manufacturers are getting there, but still you're paying more uh, mm. than you would say your your ICE competition or internal combustion engine. Right. But you're models. not paying for gas, though. You're not paying for gas, but uh, if you're saying you drive uh, Kona, which is a small uh, Hyundai uh, SUV or crossover, yeah. it starts about $23,000 for a gas model. You want the full electric version, about $34,000. Oh, wow. Mm. So you have to think to yourself, what is, am I going to drive enough to, to offset the cost? Right, right. It has a lot of calculations in there. But what about like the how fun they are to drive? Cars, to me, kind of symbolize freedom and just jumping in and going. And you want to have fun when you're out there on the roads. Are EVs fun to drive? Do they have power, acceleration? Yeah, people might think that oh, an electric car is maybe like the golf course, like on the, the golf cart I had at the golf course a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Where No way. Some of these have 1,000-plus horsepower. Wow. These things are race car fast, zero to 60 times in wow. about two, two and a half seconds long. Describe when you hit the accelerator or when you hit the gas. You go. I was going to say, there is and no you gas. you go fast, depending on the car. <laughs> it, and it, it has that moment where it like lurches for it, like a No, goes, just oh. instant power. You're not waiting for the revs on, say, a gas-powered engine to build up to three or 4,000 RPMs to go. Yeah. yeah. It's instant all the power you wow. want when you put down what you're put on the accelerator. So it's different to drive. Totally. And I, I've been personally learning how to drive a manual stick shift car okay. recently. So I've kind of understood that, oh, for a manual combustion engine, you're shifting into gears and that's how you go faster, yeah. right? You have to shift up. Before I learned this, you know, I just thought cars went. But for an electric <laughs> car, there's no gear shifting. So you can just go zero to 100, like, boom, there's no shifting needed. And that's nope. why they're so fast accelerating. There's some electric cars that have maybe a two-speed transmission, but you never feel it. Most <laughs> right. of them are just a single gear that goes just zoom. zoom. The other question I had, too, is if you've been in heavier cars, they drive very differently than my little Corolla, which is very light. Um, and a lot of these electric cars, obviously, you have this huge battery in them. Tell us about that, Mike, like how they handle. Mm. Is, it, is it different driving those kind of cars? It can be different, but a lot of that weight is down low. So you don't quite feel like a big lean in turns, like we would say uh, like a, a big van, a passenger van. Yeah. You know how you drive one of those, and you can feel every turn where a lot of the weight's down low, so you don't quite feel it as much. And the weight penalty is is not as much as, say, a gas car. The new Hummer, GMC Hummer, weighs 9,000 pounds, and it can do <laughs> zero to 60 in three seconds. Gosh. That's, like, almost scary. It's scary fast, <laughs> how, how fast these cars go. So let's talk about recharging. We're all familiar with going to a gas pump, seeing crazy prices these days, but how long does it take for an EV to charge? Is it like charging your phone? It all depends. It depends on the car you're driving. A car with a longer range is definitely going to take longer to recharge. You have more batteries, the, the pack's bigger. So what might have been a couple years ago, eight hours to get a full charge on a vehicle, and if you just plug it into the wall. If you plug it into the wall of your garage at home, 
I'm driving a Volvo right now. It said it'll take about 30 hours to fully charge. Oh, wow. That's a long time. So you really need the infrastructure in your house to have a 240 volt. But is it is it like your phone where you're like, oh, well, this is as much time as I could give it to charge. I'm going to head out with <laughs> and, and a third of battery. Like... And that's what I'm doing this week. Uh, really? Okay. As I'm trying not to use the... Uh, the infrastructure for higher speed chargers. I just want to see what it's like. Right. So you get about 15, 20% uh, charge overnight. So, so that's been, where the anxiety comes so in. So pretty much stuck at 100 <laughs> miles, uh, 120 wow. miles the whole week uh, with this car. So is it a practical commuter, like in a city, let's say? Yeah, definitely so. It's yeah. definitely okay. All an right. easy, great commuter vehicle, um, especially if you can park it in your garage or in your driveway and plug it in at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might have a 220, which will give you a full charge in, say, six to eight hours, where you might get about 10 15% if you just have the, the regular mm. 110 in your Charger. garage. Interesting. So you're just constantly always plugging that bad boy in if you don't have a high-speed charger. What about road trips? I love taking road trips, but is that doable in an EV? I've been doing road trips lately with a couple of EVs now that it's actually 250, 270 mm. mile range on vehicles. So I've done uh, a couple of five, 600 mile trips wow. and it can be a little bit hairy. Okay. The charging infrastructure isn't quite like gas right now. Right. And right. Like a gas station. You can't depend on it being there, I guess. Uh, yeah. You, there's lots of apps that help you and it, they're great. They tell you where, they tell you how fast or how slow the charger is. Yeah. And But still, it's still when you're driving, say, from here to Erie, Pennsylvania is what I did, which is about 350 miles each way, mm-hmm. that uh, you really have to take into account, okay, thy next station is about 150 miles away. Am I going to make it, or do I need to stop here in the midpoint point mm. for a splash mm. of uh, a juice? Right. <laughs> do we know yet, as far as like maintenance of these cars, because they're relatively new, how they compare to gas cars? It's it's less. You're not changing oil every three thousand miles. There is no oil. There's no oil. There's wow. no oil filter. It is crazy. So it's, you're doing. It's like a t- totally new world. Yeah. So you're doing the brakes. You're doing say. Uh, you're doing. Like filters, yeah, yeah. air filters in your cars, but not much. Yeah, it's 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 less. Mm. Um, but when it goes wrong, it could probably be a pretty expensive <laughs> date, right? Because electronics <laughs> are serious, and and that kind of gets us to another point. You know, lithium, electronics, semiconductors; these are all limited resources in the world, and we've seen through these past years, supply chains can get in the way. Yeah, is that a concern at all? It's definitely a concern, especially with uh, with legislation just passed that. A lot of that stuff, if you want your EVs to qualify for tax breaks, yep. a lot of that stuff's got to be here in America. Right? they got to make it here, yeah. And it's not an easy task right now to do that. We don't have the infrastructure set up and right now, and you're, you're also you're getting it from other countries. Mm-hmm. It's coming to another country, then it's going back to another country to be refined and processed. So it, it's, it's a labor-intensive, pricey uh, endeavor right now. It's interesting. You kind of have to make a um, impact on the environment to eventually save some carbon emissions from the environment. Right, right. Uh, um, and they're hard to get right now, too, Mike. I mean, Any speaking... car right now is hard yeah. to get. Yeah. It yeah. is just a pain in the rump. Yeah. I get emails all the time. So, like, wow, how do you get this price? And I'm like, I don't know if you can. That's just what they say. But right. there's... Because all the markups and stuff. Markups are... mm-hmm. and just basically supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. So. 
And manufacturers are actually scrambling to try and move stuff to America if they can, because then they're going to get more buyers. So the whole thing is just, it's a really interesting space. Yeah, I mean, it's the future of how we're going to get around. But the biggest problem is going to be the charging network. Yeah. Yeah. You go to a gas station, you go in, one pump's not working, big deal. You go to the one of the other nine pumps. Or an electric station, you're pretty much going in. There's like at least two of these aren't going to be working. Wow, really? That's your experience. That. That's kind of the experience. And you might have to wait if somebody's there for, before you. Have you have to wait. Oh, and gosh. Some vehicles charge faster than others. So wow, some vehicles will charge, give you an 80 percent charge in 15, 20 minutes, where the same vehicle, almost the same size battery, is going to take 40 minutes. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of the whole, the fun of this new world that we're moving into. All you have to do, basically, is just get Mike Paris's job where they deliver a car to your house, and then you'll have no issue. You have no issue. <laughs> there, is, there is a workaround here. I just, <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining us and giving us your expertise on this. Thank you. So before we go, Megan, would you get an electric car after this discussion? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah? The, the only thing I, I would wonder is I don't have a garage, so mm. I'd have to figure out somehow to reach... <laughs> The car, <laughs> A space. really long extension cord. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm sure they make those. Yeah, I was thinking about it, too. I, I live in an apartment, so I'm like, wow, should I like open my window and have an extension cord? <laughs> Daisy that, like, chain it down. Right? I don't think that would pass, but uh, <laughs> but I think I'd get one, too. They seem pretty sick. The zero to 60 speed's kind of awesome. That Definitely. was a big surprise. So. Yeah. Anyway, that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We're brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance, and follow us on social media. We post content every day from behind the scenes of the show. Today, we changed up our whole look, so we want to get your feedback on that if you see our new shot on social media today. Big deal. Yeah. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. And this podcast is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a good one, and we'll see you tomorrow.